Brilliant. Thank you, everyone. Well, good morning. Good morning. Well, first of all, I want to say thank you very much to Chris and to Jared for having me here this morning. It's great to have the opportunity uh, to come and speak and share my story uh, with you. And uh, the first thing you, I'm sure you will have noticed about me is that I'm physically disabled. And uh, having a disability it can sometimes get me to some quite amusing situations. <laughs> And uh, when I was 17, I went to sixth form at a school near Bristol. And the school, it was a mainstream school, but they had uh, a number of disabled people at the school. So they had some staff there, especially to help out uh, these disabled people. And uh, one of these members of staff came up to me one day saying, we've received something through the post which you might be interested in. It's regional trials for disabled athletics, basically for the southwest of England. Would you like to have a go? And I thought to myself, I haven't raced disabled people before. This could be quite good fun. <laughs> So she said the event was taking place in Yeovil, which from my house was about an hour and a half's drive. And she said it's taking place in just over three weeks' time. So if you want to get your entry in, you need to enter pretty quickly. And so I took the forms home and I thought to myself, I'm not very quick, but I can keep going. I thought I've got quite good endurance. So I thought, well, I'll, I'll enter the 1500 metres. And then I thought, if I'm going all the way to Yeovil, what's the point in doing one race? I might as well enter a second race too. So I entered the 400 metres as well. Now, you have to bear in mind that at that time, I'd never run 1,500 metres before. <laughs> I'd walked the distance, but I'd never run it. But I thought, it'll be fine. I can train for it. And so I trained for it over those three weeks. And I gradually built up to the distance. And I ran the 1,500 metres twice in practice. Then it was the day of the event, and I arrived in Yeovil. And my name was called for the starting line for the 1,500 metres. And I thought it was going to be like the Paralympics, where they put you into categories according to your disability. No. <laughs> there were three of us. There was me. There was someone who I think had cerebral palsy. And the other man, he was partially sighted. He could run just like anyone else. Just, he just couldn't see so well where he was going. And I thought, this is going to go horribly wrong. Well, anyway, the race got underway, and I was soon well behind the other two, and it suddenly, suddenly occurred to me, the partially sighted man is going to lap me. Is he going to see me? Fortunately, he ran round me. And then the cerebral palsy man lapped me, and then the partially sighted man lapped me again. And I ended up having to run the whole last lap all on my own. <laughs> and then I was coming onto the final bend with 200 metres to go, and I heard an announcement over the sound system. Can Bart G please come to the starting line for the 400 metres? <laughs> I was thinking I'm on my way. <laughs> and do you know what was wrong with the winner of the 400 metres? He was deaf. My only chance was that he couldn't hear the gun. <laughs> I thought, this isn't very fair. I've just run the best part of a mile with my disability, and that was his first race. And then the other, the other funny thing about that 400-meter race was there were people who came in wheelchairs. I imagine probably to rest their legs. They all got out their wheelchairs. They all ran around to beat me. <laughs> and then they all got back in their wheelchairs again. 
so anyway, that, that's, uh, that's one, of, one of many stories I could share with you, uh, one of many sort of amusing situations uh, with my disability. But uh, anyway, uh, when I was five years old, I went to um, a car auction uh, with my family, and uh, Dad and my brother got out the car. And I remember sitting in the car with Mum, and I said to Mum, I want to become a Christian. How do I become a Christian? Because at that age, even with my limited understanding, I had absolutely no doubt whatsoever about God's existence. So Mum, first of all, explained to me the scripture from John, John 3.16, which says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And mum said, said to me, I need to, needed to pray and ask Jesus into my heart. And that was when I made my own personal decision. I invited Jesus into my heart and to be central uh, in my life. Now, I've had the question asked in the past, if God is real, if God is a loving God, why am I disabled? Why hasn't he healed me? And I do very much believe that God can heal people, but I also believe that God can use people through the difficulty uh, of their situation so that his works can be displayed and for his glory to shine through that person. And in 2 Corinthians 12, verse 8 to 10, it says, Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Now, I was born severely disabled with a rare condition called arthrogryposis. And arthrogryposis means that I've got weak muscles and stiff joints. And uh, people with my disability are affected in different ways. So, for example, one person might be affected in just their hands or maybe just their arms. Other people, it may affect maybe just their feet or their legs. And other people like me, it affects their whole body. And each person with my disability is uniquely affected as to how severe it is for them. And uh, when I was born, uh, doctors told my parents that I would never walk and that I may never have the strength to be able to sit up on my own without help. And I was just basically given a very bleak outlook to life. I was given no hope to be able to do anything for myself. But I was uh, brought up in a Christian family. And uh, when I was a baby, the uh, pastor of our church, he, uh, he, he prophesied to my parents, saying that little by little, that I, that I will be able to do more and more new things that will amaze people. And he prayed for two things specifically. The first thing he prayed was that one day that I would be physically able to walk down the aisle of the church. And this was obviously different from what the doctors were saying. They said I would never walk and may never have the strength to be able to sit up. Well, I was actually able to sit up myself at quite a young age. And to get around, I would literally just shuffle across the floor to wherever I wanted to go. But when I was three years old, I used to go to physiotherapy sessions very regularly at the Bristol Children's Hospital. And there was this one session in particular that I remember clearly to this day because my physiotherapist, she propped me up against the wall. Just imagine I'm leaning against the wall now. And she let go of me and she said to me, I want to see if you can start walking. 
And I tried and I tried and I tried and I just couldn't move away from the wall. And I remember at the time just feeling very frustrated because other children my age were up on their feet and running around. And I thought, well, why can't I do that? At that age, I didn't really understand what my disability meant to me. I just thought having a disability meant I was slower than everyone else. But anyway, sometime after that, I was around three and a half years old. And there was one night when mum carried me up the stairs to go to bed. And as we were going up the stairs, I just had this thought that I might be able to start walking. And so I said to mum, I think I might be able to start walking now. Can I try? And so in the same way, as my physiotherapist propped me up against the wall, mum propped me up against the wall, just like this. And she let go of me. And I was able to take wow. one, two, three steps. Wow. And then I fell down. I'm not going to fall down now. It'll take me too long to get back up. <laughs> and we tried it again. And I took one, wow. two, three steps. And then I fell down. Now, someone who is physically disabled like me is often referred to as having physical difficulties. And if you take the word difficult, you might think of other words which have a similar meaning. You, might, you may think of the word hard, or maybe the word challenging. Now, is there a word that sums up difficult, hard, and challenging? And for me, that word is possible. Difficult means possible. Hard means possible. Challenging means possible. So for, so for me, it was quite significant that I could start by taking three steps. Because if you imagine that my first step, I was already leaning against the wall, but then I was able to take two more steps, one on each foot, unaided before falling down, which meant that both legs were strong enough to take me, which meant for me that walking was going to be really difficult for me. It was going to be a real challenge, but I still knew it was going to be possible. So from then on, it was a matter of could I do a little bit more each day. And I remember the day after I took my first steps, so I'd be downstairs at home. And my parents would prop me up against the wall. And I'd have to try and make it to the other side of the room. And I'd get partway across. And I'd fall down. And then my parents would pick me up again. And I'd, I'd get a bit further. And I'd fall down. And then my parents would pick me up again. And I eventually made it to the other side of the room. And then I was gradually able to do more each day until I was able to walk in my own way, which I realise looks different from the way most people walk. But I was able to walk without thinking about what I was doing, which for me was great because it meant I had that freedom, I had the independence, and I didn't have to rely on anyone else to help me move around. So then uh, I, I went to school, and at school break times, I would go out with my friends to the playground. And I didn't want to watch them play sport. I just didn't want to watch from the side. I really wanted to try and join in in everything that I could. But because my disability is unusual, I didn't know anyone with arthrogryposis as I was growing up. So if I was to take part in sports and activities, I'd really have to try and find a way that would work for me. I'd have to use my own imagination, I suppose. Think, how can I make this work for me? And very often, I was worse or slower uh, than all my friends. But the most important thing for me was that I could actually join in. And so some of my favorite sports I've taken part in were things like running, football, table tennis. I actually had to go at rugby once. Uh, I couldn't catch a ball. I couldn't get up off the floor. But apart from that, I think I was OK. <laughs> 
And, uh, and swimming, swimming would be one of my favourite sports as well. And uh, when I was eight years old, I started having swimming lessons at school. And I remember my first swimming lesson because my swimming teacher put a life jacket on me and he came in the shallow end of the pool uh, with me. And he said to me, I want to see if you can start swimming. Now, my disability affects my whole body and I've got very limited use of my arms and my legs. So for example, I can't lift my arms any higher than that to actually, to actually keep them in the air. I can swing them, but there's no muscle strength in my arms to actually keep them in the air. They, they, just, drop, they just drop straight back down. But because I had some movement in my arms, it meant I could swim slowly in the water. And so at the end of that first lesson, my swimming teacher took my life jacket off me and he told me to go and swim down to the deep end. <laughs> And with, and with that being my first uh, swimming lesson, it was a little bit outside of my comfort zone. Uh, it took me a couple of minutes, but I, but I made it to the deep end. Then sometime after that, he wanted to teach me to dive into the pool uh, at the deep end. And obviously, most people dive into the pool using their hands first. But I can't keep my hands in the air to do that. So he showed me a different way that he thought would work for me. Where if you imagine, I had to stand at the side of the pool, I'd have to fall forwards, head first into the water. And as I was underwater, I'd have to turn and come out of the water on my back like that. And I was really quite scared about it. I thought, what if I can't turn when I'm underwater? What if I get stuck upside down? And I remember I'd be standing at the side of the pool for 10 or 15 minutes, actually trying to have the courage to, to dive in. And I remember one time my teacher was so fed up with waiting for me, he just came along and pushed me in. <laughs> but I'm so glad that he made me do all this because it has really opened up so many opportunities for me. And before I carry on with my story, I don't want this to sound like, look what I, look what I can do, but it's just to show you the miracle that I believe that God has performed. Uh, in my life, uh, bearing in mind what, what the doctor said as a, uh, as a baby. So as I, as I got older, I was able to progress with my swimming so that when I was in secondary school, uh, I managed to get my 800-meter swimming badge. And then uh, when I was uh, in my early 20s, I would swim a mile. I would do that non-stop uh, each week just for fitness. And, I, and I'm always looking for new challenges to take part in, really to, I, I suppose, push the boundaries of my disability, because I don't want my disability to, to stop me from leading as normal life as possible. Yes, I need help with certain things, but I want to try and lead as normal life uh, as possible. And so I think it was back in 2014, I heard about the Sport Relief Swimathon, and they had three distances on offer. And I thought I'd really like to enter, enter the middle distance, which is a two and a half kilometer swim, basically equivalent to about a mile and a half, which is uh, about half a mile further than I'd ever swum uh, in one go before. And I trained for this over a couple of months, and I was able to complete the distance uh, on the day. So in 2017, I thought I'd, I'd really like to attempt the longest distance that they offer, which is a five kilometer swim. Uh, so basically just over three miles. And uh, if you think of your average leisure center swimming pool, which is 25 meters long, it was 200 lengths uh, of, of the pool. And I knew it was gonna be a real challenge for me, but, but just the very fact I've got that movement in my arms, which means I can swim slowly in the water. I knew that if I really worked hard, if I put lots of training in, I knew it would be possible for me to complete it. 
And on the day, I managed to complete this swim in about five and a half hours, and never again either. <laughs> Now, having completed that five-kilometer swim, someone contacted me because he knew I was into sports and into challenges. And he told me about a triathlon taking place. And it was the first of its kind in the country, especially for disabled people like me to take part in. And if any of you watched the 2012 uh, Olympics, it, was, uh, it took place at Eton Dorney, which is the rowing venue for, uh, uh, for the London Olympics. And because it's a disability event, uh, the distances generally were shorter than they would be for able-bodied. So I thought, well, I'll just enter the longest distance that they offer. Because I knew I wouldn't be very quick, but I knew I could keep going. So it was uh, the equivalent of a sprint triathlon for an able-bodied person. It was a 750-metre swim uh, in a lake. Then it was a 20-kilometre cycle. And I've got very limited uh, bend in my knees, particularly in my left knee. So, um, so because of that, I don't have enough bend to actually turn the pedals on a normal bike. So I would actually ride a hand cycle, which you'll see on video in just a minute. After the 20-kilometer hand cycle, it was, uh, it was a five-kilometer run. Now, I'm not supposed to run anymore because I've had major ankle problems in the past. But I'm still allowed to walk as far as I like. So I thought, well, if I can swim, if I can hand cycle, if I can walk, I thought, let's, let's train for it. Let's see if I can complete it. And uh, to cut a long story short, I managed to complete this uh, triathlon in 2017, 2018, and 2019. Each time it took me over four hours to complete it. Then in 2020 and 2021, it was cancelled because of the COVID situation. But last year, I found out uh, by going to a disability bike shop that I was able to get a new three-wheeler bike adapted with a much smaller pedal rotation, which means I've got just enough movement in my knees to turn the pedals. So I actually managed to get this bike in May last year, and I trained for the triathlon again over the summer, did lots of practice uh, on, on, on my new three-wheeler bike. And because I was, I was able to pedal with my legs, it made me maybe quite a bit faster. So I managed to beat my time by 22 minutes, and uh, I managed to break the four-hour mark as well, which I was, which I was pleased about. <laughs> and um, I, I, I will actually be entering this triathlon again in August. I'm going to see if I can beat my time, but each year I do it, I'm getting older. So, uh, so, so we'll see, we'll see. I uh, drive a car, which has been uh, specially adapted uh, for me. So I, so I drove up here yesterday, about 240 miles or so. And, uh, and, and my car uh, doesn't have a steering wheel, basically. It's, it's adapted for me. So I steer with handlebars just like riding a bike. Uh, I can manage the pedals with my right foot. Uh, it's automatic, so I don't need to use my left foot, which is just as well, because I, would, I, wouldn't, I don't have enough use. And uh, for the horn, the wipers, the indicators, and the lights, it's very different on my car, because I've got a head control. There's a button on my headrest. So for example, if I want to turn left, I hold the button down for two bleeps like this. Bleep, bleep, and off. Or if I want to turn right, I hold the button down for three bleeps. Bleep, 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 and off. And uh, it's on a system from, from one to 10 for different functions. And having this car adapted for me, it just gives me such a lot of independence because I regularly speak all over the country. I go to churches, I go to schools, I go to prisons, young offenders, just wherever I get invited. And it means I can get in the car myself, I can drive myself to wherever I need to go. 
So at this point, and I'm going to show a short video. This is the turning disability into possibility video, if that's OK. This just demonstrates how I've adapted to take part in some of these sports and activities. Thank you very much, everyone. So if any of you want to see that video again, you can actually find it on YouTube just by typing my name, which is Bart. Uh, and my surname is G, which is G-E-E. -E. You can find that video and, and many other videos uh, on my channel. But we, uh, we always, at, at some point in our lives, we all face difficulties or trials. And in James 1, verse 2 to 4, it says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work. So that, you be, so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. And no matter what situations we go through, I, I believe that, that God has a plan and God's plans are perfect. Um, Jeremiah 29 verse, uh, verse 11 says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper uh, you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope, plans to give you hope and a future. And there have been many times in my life when I've noticed God's plans being perfect and God's timing being perfect and things just absolutely falling into place. And, uh, and one example I want to share with you uh, this morning is uh, in late 2018, I had quite a surprising invite, which was to go and share my story uh, out in India. And it was to go to India in, in August uh, 2019. So I had... Uh, I had quite a bit of time to, pre to prepare for it. But I thought, how is this going to work? Because you'll probably realize, looking at me, uh, that I need help with certain tasks. And, uh, and one thing in particular that I need help with is, is care. I need help with sort of getting ready in the mornings. And I thought, will I be able to organize care in India be, uh, in advance, so that basically so that I've got care for when I arrive? Well, anyway, shortly after I was invited to India, um, I was chatting with some friends from my church, and I told them I, I, that I was invited out there. And one of my friends, he's actually called Isaac, and he's originally from India. And I, I told him the name of the town where I'd be flying in. It was a, a town I'd never heard of before called Vigioada. And uh, he told me he's got relatives who live not far from there, and he knows the area. Um, and um, without me even asking him, he offered to come with me, to give me all the help that I needed. And guess what he does for a living? He's a doctor. <laughs> you know, just, 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 uh, yeah, just, just absolutely amazing. And um, I think it was probably back in 2014. Um, yeah, I, I think it was uh, Bristol Brunel Academy. I was invited to a secondary school in Bristol just out of, out of the blue. And at this point, I really wasn't used to talking in front of people at all. And uh, I was basically asked just to go to the secondary school um, and just go and, go and share my story and play, and play the piano uh, for them. And um, I went in feeling really nervous, expecting uh, that I was going to be going into, into a classroom. But when I turned up, I found out I was going to be taking three school assemblies <laughs> to a total of around 650 children. And because I wasn't used to talking in front of people at all at the time, I thought, help, because, uh, because I, I was just going to go in so nervous. But that day felt really significant for me because 
uh, at the end of each assembly, I had children coming up to me asking, me, asking me questions and wanted to see me play the piano close up. But there were two things that really stood out to me that day. And the first thing was there was a, a year eight uh, boy, and he came up to me, and all he said quietly was, Sir, I think you're amazing. And I didn't really think too much of it until later that evening, the teacher who invited me in messaged me to say thank you for coming in. And, and in the message, she said that she overheard that boy say that uh, to me and couldn't believe it because he was the worst behaved in the year and, 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 and was, and was on, on report. So she said, she said that my story had a, had a real, real sort of effect on him. And then the second thing that stood out to me that day was there was a girl in year seven, and she said that when I played the piano at the end, she started to cry, and it's because her mum had some sort of disability, and I'm not sure what the disability was now, but she'd basically given up trying to cope with her disability. And she said she was going to go home and tell her mum all about me and really try and motivate her. And it suddenly occurred to me that, that day, you know, that as a child... I would actually pray for, pray for healing. As a child, I would pray for healing. But what if God could use me through the difficulty of my situation? And I didn't actually do anything really for quite a long time after that. But about 18 months later, it was in November 2015, uh, I got invited by, by a pastor that I know, just out of the blue, to go and speak um, at her church in Birmingham. And so I went there, and having seen on Facebook that I was going to, um, going to speak at the church, an old school friend said, could I go to her school in London? And that was in December. Uh, so I went to, went to that school, and I really felt that this was it. I thought, this is what I should be doing. And, I, uh, and so, I, so I basically set up my website, breakinglimits.co.uk, and I prayed to God that if this is the right thing for me to do, that he would just open up uh, opportunities for me to go and share my story. And to be honest... It was really quite slow to start with, uh, but it gradually built up and built up. Um, and in 2019, I think I ended up with 148 uh, bookings through the, uh, um, uh, uh, through, through the year, of which 13 uh, of them were out in India. And at this point, I'd just like to very quickly show the, uh, show the second video. For some reason, they wanted me to play the drums for this. So the, uh, the reason I wanted just to show you that video was because, um, uh, because that, was, um, that was a school um, assembly that I took. There were about 1,200 children uh, in, in, the, in that assembly. And it was a Christian school uh, out in India. But uh, there were children there from non-Christian backgrounds as well. And um, when I speak in, at schools here, I'm only allowed to share... What's, my, what's part of my story, you know, from a Christian point of view anyway. And uh, I'm not allowed to say you should, but out, out in India, I was, I, I was able to sort of open it up, you know, for anyone who, 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 invited, who wanted to invite Jesus into their hearts. And I was amazed by the response because uh, you could probably see at the back there was quite a lot of uh, sort of sunlight, so I couldn't see very far back. But just in the front, 300, out of the front 300 children, 20 responded. And it was just amazing. And so, so I, now th I now think that, you know, God hasn't healed me physically but God can use me through the difficulty of, of, of my situation. And I really see my disability as an opportunity now to share, uh, to share my Christian faith with others, where if I didn't have my disability, I wouldn't necessarily get to go into schools. I wouldn't necessarily get to go into prisons. And I actually think now that if I, 
if I was able-bodied, would I actually be any happier as a person? And I, I don't think I would. I don't think I would. And I think that, that you know, we all face difficulties in our, in our lives, but I always think we have so many reasons to praise God. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm, I'm just going to... So I'm just going to share some scriptures with you now. God is our healer. Isaiah 53, verse 4 to 5 says, Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds we are healed. And then uh, God is all-powerful. Uh, Matthew 19, verse 26, says, Jesus looked at them and said, With man this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. And then um, God knows everything. Uh, Psalm 147, verse 5 says, Great is our Lord and abundant in power. His understanding is beyond measure. And then God is, God is omnipresent, as in he is everywhere. Um, Psalm 139, verse 7 to 12 says, Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me, your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me, and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark um, to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. And then God is sovereign. Isaiah 46, verse 9 to 10. Uh, remember the former things, those of long ago. I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is none like me. I make known the end from the beginning, from ancient times, what is still to come. I say my purpose will stand and I will do all that I please. And then God is great, Psalm 145, verse 3. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised, yes. and his greatness is unsearchable. Yes. And then God is our saviour through Jesus, Jesus Christ. I've read the scripture already, but John 3:16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. These are so many reasons that we have to praise God. Just, just thinking, you know, that you know that God is our healer. He's all powerful. He He knows everything. He is everywhere. He is sovereign. He is great, and He is our Savior through Jesus Christ. And I really want to encourage you that whenever we face difficulties in our in our lives, not to focus on the difficulty of the situation, but to put to put your trust in God. Put put our trust in God. Uh, you fix our eyes on 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 Jesus. And for me, I don't always find it that easy to express myself in worship with, with words. Uh, I'm not very expressive with, with words, but I believe that God's given me a gift in music. And so going back very briefly to the, to the second thing that the pastor prayed, he prayed that one day I'd be able to play the organ uh, like my dad. And dad played the organ at church every week. And being able-bodied, he'd play using both hands and all of his fingers. 
And you have to bear in mind that also when I was a baby, when the doctors gave the bleak outlook to my parents, Mum asked the doctor with just that little bit of hope, because Dad plays the piano and the organ, and obviously the piano is similar to play with your hands. Mum asked if there's ever any chance of me being able to play. And the doctor said, look at my hands. As they were as a baby, there's just absolutely no chance whatsoever. There was even doubt that I would have the strength to press down a key. But when I was five years old, we already had a piano at home, which Dad would, Dad would play uh, in the evenings just for fun, just for enjoyment. Because he's a very good musician, it just really inspired me. And I thought I would love to be able to play like him. And so I asked my parents if I could start having piano lessons. And although they, although they were told that there would be absolutely no chance, they could see that I really wanted to try. And so they thought, well, let's just set up a piano lesson and see how I get on. And so in my first piano lesson, it was a matter, did I have the strength to press down a key. I did with my right hand. And I did with my left hand. So just the very fact I had the strength in both hands to press down a key, meant it was gonna be a real challenge for me, but I still knew it was possible. So I then had to work with my piano teacher and see how I'd be able to progress and work out which fingers I'd be able to use and um, so basically, it was really sort of slow to start with. So after I actually had the strength to press down a key with both hands, it was a matter of, could I play? Uh, could I play a finger in both hands together? And I could. And then, could I add some rhythm? Could I add some melody? And then could I do a little bit more? I'm just going to move the, the pedal, sorry, it's um, just slipped. Just a bit. Yeah, thank you, thank you. That's brilliant. And then could I, could I add, add a little bit more to it? got older I was gradually able to progress and um, right from a young age I really wanted to try and get to a standard where I could play in church uh, without my playing being distraction to people worshipping and what I mean by that is because of my limited fingering I would have the tendency as I was growing up to hit down other notes uh, as well as the notes I intended to play but 
we're now going to lead uh, you in, oh, praise the name. So, Brill, I'm just going to do an intro. And do stand if you like. <laughs> 